need some motivation on your Chinese business endeavor, may be curious about what the Chinese business environment is all about, or want to laugh out loud listening to war stories on the ground in China, then this is your show, China Business Cast. As China Business Cast, we decided to spend more time on exploring areas in China that are less known. Less known doesn't mean there are no business opportunities. This is your host, Simon Derat. Our guest today is not only living in Yunnan in southwest China, but also very active in promoting the province in and outside China. If you ever wonder what Yunnan has to offer, then definitely get in contact with our guest, Jeff Johnson. Jeff Johnson is a, is a long-time entrepreneur, a marketeer, and mostly in tourism, located in Kunming in Yunnan province. He's a CEO of GoKuming, offering travel information, event listing, and all the latest news on what's happening in, in Kunming. If, um, he's also the founder and CEO of China Bridge Solutions, offering consulting, marketing, and branding services to companies entering the Chinese market. And if that's not enough, to keep him busy, he's also involved in the World Tourism Organization, belonging to the UNWTO, and awarded with New Talent 2019 for China National Tourism and Travel. Jeref, welcome to the show. Welcome to the China Business Cast. Thank you very much, Simon, and thank you for the introduction. Very happy to uh, join you here today. Did I mess, miss anything in the uh, introduction? Because it's quite a list, I must say. <laughs> it's sorry, yes, it's quite a list. Uh, well, Goku Ming actually belongs to our business here, which is called uh, CloudBridge, CloudBridge Media by Design, uh, which is the company that we've been running in Yunnan for the last eight, nine years. And um, Goku Ming is one of the platforms that we operate. Uh, so the CloudBridge company is mostly our tourism-focused, uh, like Yunnan promotion business. But I think you covered most of it there. Cool. So what's the general impression that people have on on China and specifically Yunnan province? Mm, as in, like people back at home? Yeah. So if if you're from non-Chinese, how do they look at China itself? And also, what 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 do people know about Yunnan, the province itself? I find um, that within within China and people that have a particular interest in China, Yunnan is incredibly famous as a travel destination, most of all. As soon as you leave that sort of bubble, um, well, China's not a bubble, obviously, but let's say expats here, um, you leave that community, you go abroad and speak to people that have not been to China nobody's heard of the province unless they have, you know, have had a particular interest before. I think people mostly focus on, I mean, China is a huge country. People will mostly focus on the famous places like Beijing, Shanghai, Xi'an. So you notice in tourism as well that these are the famous destinations. And then Yunnan is um, traditionally a very famous destination as, you know, sort of backpacker, backpacker uh, travel destination. Um, that's been going on for dozens of years, uh, but that's still a very small group, of course. Yeah. And Chinese in general, how do they look at it? Is it for Chinese also a travel destination or is it much more? For Chinese people? Yes. Yeah, yeah Yunnan, Yunnan was it was traditionally one of the, well, at least a few years ago, uh, one of the most famous travel destinations in, in the whole of China, especially Destinations like Lijiang, Dali, uh, Shangri-La, but recently also places like uh, Sichuan Banna, like the, the tropical south of the province, 
so the Yunnan is, is, is a very special place because of diversity. Like in, a, in the north of the province, you're at the foothills of the Himalaya. And when I say foothills of the Himalayas, I'm talking about mountains that go up to 6,700 meters. And in the south, you're basically bordering Laos and Vietnam and on the toward the west end, uh, Myanmar, so three different countries. And the south, um, of which the most famous part is uh, Sichuanbana, is subtropical. So even in winter, you get temperatures up to 30 degrees, um, and nighttime is, is, is cools down quite a bit. So still, Yunnan still a sort of subtropical mountain climate. So it's very, very temperate. Uh, so the diversity, I think, off- has a lot to offer. And then you have all these different uh, ethnic, cultural minorities. They have their own languages. They have their own customs, their own culture, their own, uh, their own traditional dress. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a famous place in China. And um, I, it's, I think it's, if, if you would pick one province to visit on your trip in China, you know, and you don't necessarily want to go to the big cities, then I would always recommend to come to Yunnan. Because you, you've been there for, is it seven years? For how long? Ten years. Ten, Ten years, years Sorry. Oh, wow. So I, I saw a quote, I think it was on, on Go Kunming, and it said that yeah. uh, it's expected there will be a return flow of people and goods in and out of Yunnan. That means that it's expected. So that means that there is already a lot of this happening before. Can you share some more history of the role that Yunnan played in, in China or in Asia? Well, Yunnan, uh, Yunnan's uh, most important role in the future is definitely going to be, uh, you know, part of uh, Belt and Road strategy first, connecting China with Southeast Asia, um, and therefore also will play a, an important role in in trade and infrastructure uh, logistics. Um, so. For instance, a, a high-speed rail line um, that eventually is supposed to connect Singapore is being built. And, you know, in, in the whole of China, uh, high-speed railway lines are, are very common now. Um, you know, there's bullet trains everywhere. I can take the bullet train now from Kunming to Dali, which used to be a six-hour bus ride, and now it's two hours by train. Uh, and Tilijiang is now three hours by train. You know, it used to be nine hours by train or, um, you know, eight, nine hour bus ride as well. So that's developing here as it is, you know, in the east of China, where things are very well connected to all the major cities. And as these new railway lines are being built into Southeast Asia, that's going to open up a lot more new opportunities as well. So in that sense, Yunnan is sort of the main uh, access point to Southeast Asia therefore strategic, strategically very important as well. And actually, if you look at uh, over 100 years ago, there's, uh, there's, a little, there's an interesting part of history where the French were coming in from uh, Vietnam and built a narrow-gauge uh, railway line all the way down to Kwame. So back then, I mean, we're talking about over 100 years ago, um, it was incredibly hard to dig tunnels through the Yunnan mountains and build bridges. And you have places where, you know, a tunnel leaves a mountain, then immediately turns into a bridge and then immediately turns into another tunnel to get through the other end. 
And that railway line is still there. It's not being used. I mean, certain parts of it have been sort of sort of touched up to become tourism attractions. Like there's this 20-kilometer line uh, between a place called Jenshui and another old town where you can sit on the old train that's been you know, made, made look nice and it's kind of a tourism ride. You can still you can still go there, and then there's these bridges you can see on the way if you go all the way to the to the Vietnamese border that are incredible, but very remote. So there is a history there um, between you know, for instance, Vietnam and, and and Yunnan, and now that's being redone with bullet trains as opposed to you know the old narrow gauge lines, which is very interesting. And this is definitely going to affect business here, trade here. It's going to affect the relationship between Southeast Asia and China and especially that through Yunnan province. So yes, I think I think in the near future we're going to see big changes uh, coming for, for Yunnan. So indeed it sounds like Yunnan is a, a bridge or maybe a tunnel connection to Southeast Asia as well, like one of the main linking points. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guangxi also, uh, Guangxi province, east of uh, Yunnan province, west of um, Guangdong, that more people are familiar with, uh, also has a border crossing with Vietnam, um, but not with Laos and not with Burma, Myanmar. Mm. Yeah. So what kind of opportunities do you think that will come in that area? Because it's, I think it's quite known for the tourism, for the culture. Like you said, there are a lot of... Um, like the heritage, and there's a lot of tribes there still, but it's also very f- just famous for mining and, and tobacco, a little bit more traditional business. And then, then there must be some transformation then to actually make it ready for the future. What kind of transforma- transformation is happening besides the one belt, one road? But I assume you can feel, normally I can feel this always, this energy in the city when something is changing and you know something is coming and it's going to be big. So what is that thing that is happening now? Well, well, Yunnan has, has gone through some serious transformations in in, uh, in recent in the recent one or two years as well. Um, for one, it has released a series of new policies um, that will basically focus on uh, like green food, uh, like organic food, for instance. A lot of uh, a lot of the organic vegetables people eat in Beijing come from Yunnan. Uh, green energy. So green energy is spread out over 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 different um, sustainable sources. Uh, water um, can be a little bit controversial some uh, sometimes, but then there's also a lot of wind energy and a lot of uh, solar energy, and and actually a lot of power that's being used in Guangdong province, for instance, comes from Yunnan. And then there's also like the green, sort of the green living destination, like um, basically turning Yunnan into into a place where you know if you if you are at older age, you would come here to have a, a comfortable life with blue skies and you know healthy foods and have it have, have basically a, a, a nice environment, a healthy environment to live in, but also as a travel destination, for instance. Um, you know, you want to sort of relax, uh, come down from your busy, busy work life and, and really get the time to, to enjoy the, the nature here. And so they'll, they'll be focusing on, for instance, the natural hot springs that are spread out through the province and especially places like 
Tengchong in the far west, uh, bordering with Myanmar. There's a lot of hot springs because there's uh, volcanoes there. So you have natural hot springs that are being promoted as well as uh, as a way to sort of you know get your get your health back in order. Mm. So there's these different focus points that that Yunnan has right now, like green energy, green foods, green like green living destination, healthy living destination, and then traditionally, yes, there's been there's been a lot of these industries such as tobacco that's that's huge here. Uh, mining is obviously something. I mean, there's so many mountains here that mining. It's been a very obvious uh, industry, and these industries traditionally have been a big driver for the economy. And then in the last, let's say, 10 years, um, roughly, tourism has been a very important driver of the economy. So you see these, these different shifts. And then there's the agricultural part. Uh, you and me are both from Holland. Um, so in Holland, you know, agriculture is, uh, is pretty famous, including flowers. And so, for example, Holland has the most famous um, flower auction market. And that has been sort of copied to Yunnan as well. So in Kunming, there's the biggest flower auction of the whole of Asia. Um, and there's also Dutch, Dutch flower growers here. Um, and agriculture is, is, is a really big thing as well. So what you recently see here tea has been traditionally very strong poor tea is um is a very famous type of tea that basically only yunnan grows uh, or it's more like the fermentation process that turns it into it's uh, that gives it a particular flavor and color um and it's been very expensive at some point as well poor tea can be sold for a lot of money almost like wine or even more expensive than wine and then recently, uh, companies like Starbucks and Nestle in recent years have, have uh, sort of tapped into the change from tea to coffee in some places. And these coffee beans are now simply referred to as Yunnan coffee. Um, but coffee is another big industry that's coming up. And another big industry that's coming up here is CBD oil. Uh, CBD oil is uh, not, was, it's not legally grown anywhere else in China, exactly, I think. But in Yunnan, it's illegally grown and produced and sold. So that's another, for instance, big industry that's coming up here, also for the international trade market. So there's, there's some traditional markets, as you described yourself as well already. And then there's some new interesting directions like the coffee, CBD oil, and also green energy. I think that's something that, that Yunnan can really pioneer in and is, has been pioneering in already for a long time. Yeah, it sounds like uh, indeed there's a lot. I can I can tell, and then my 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 knowledge on the area is is very has been is quite limited. I would say after your introduction, so it really helps me a lot to get an understanding <laughs> of what's going on in Southwest China. And for for you itself, where does this? How did you end up in in Kunming? And and, and what's your what 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 passion drove you there? Honestly, I ended up here as a traveler myself. Um, the first time I came to and I, I didn't have any plan. I, I had three months. Uh, I was flying to Hong Kong. I was flying back to, from Beijing. And I planned to meet a friend of mine in Lhasa. And that was the only thing that I had thought out. So I was just kind of, you know, holding a, a lonely planet, China lonely planet, traveling around. And I 
I very soon met a bunch of travelers who were studying in, in Beijing. They were studying Chinese. And they had quite a lot of time because we were just about to hit Spring Festival. And because they were at a university, they had a pretty long holiday. So one of these guys basically um, traveled, well, I traveled with him all the way to Yunnan. And I, I never heard of Yunnan before I got to China, to be honest. And it turned out that of the whole trip that I did, I went to quite a lot of places, um, very roughly from like uh, Guangdong, Hong, Hong Kong to Guangdong to, to, to Guizhou, which is these days is coming up as a, as a travel destination, the whole province, then to Yunnan, then to Chengdu, where the pandas are, uh, then to Tibet, to Lhasa, and a few other places. And then back, I went to Xi'an, where the terracotta warriors are, uh, to Pingyao, an old, an old town, and then Beijing. So roughly, that was my, my whole trip in like three months' time. And I spent quite a bit of time in Yunnan uh, from basically the northwest. So, you know, Himalayan foothills, uh, very special landscapes. Uh, there's uh, some of the, the there's the second the second deepest gorge in the world. I think it's the second deepest. It's called the Tiger Leaping Gorge. Very very impressive. And yeah, I spent I spent quite a bit of time in Yunnan. And then when I came back in 2009, I did, did another trip. I ended up staying in Yunnan for a month, uh, a lot longer than the the first trip. And that's when I started thinking like it would be very interesting to live in China for a while and, you know, see how it is. And Yunnan has, back then I was more concerned with, okay, I like being a place with nice weather, you know, Holland can be kind of cold. <laughs> so I, I ended up quitting my job in Holland, uh, in Amsterdam, I was working as a, as a full stack web developer, a very nice company in Amsterdam. And I basically left everything behind and I moved to Yunnan. And only later we, started the company when we saw the opportunity to take over the GoComing website. So that's really how I got there. So I started as a, as a traveler myself. And so later, you know, kind of combining tourism was really a hobby for me. Like uh, everybody likes to travel. You know? And so I was basically able to combine me being a photographer, me doing websites and design and really liking tourism and really liking Yunnan combining all these different things into, you know, changing the direction of our business. Mm. So tell me a little bit more about uh, GoKuming. You just said you basically took over the website um, from, from, from when after you arrived. It's, I think it's just, it's mostly focused on promoting Kunming and Yunnan province, right? But that's just a very short sentence. What, what, why, why should people visit GoKuming? Well, GoKuming is interesting. Um, it's been it's been running for almost no, it's been running for fourteen years roughly. Uh, it was started by um, by an American called Chris Horton, and uh, him and uh, an English guy who later joined Matthew Sills, uh, who's a developer. So basically, a, a writer, a journalist, and a developer together, they build it to offer English language information to people around here. When they arrived here, there was nothing. You know, everything was in Chinese. There was no, even if you could speak Chinese, there was no Meituan or, you know, other platforms uh, that are very popular these days. So there's very little information out there for Westerners to um, survive with little Chinese and little knowledge of Chinese culture. 
so they, I think they did a did an amazing job with setting this up. And when they were leaving the main, uh, I felt this kind of match with all the things that I I love to do. And you know, it was was an important resource for all the people around here. So we kind of wanted to take over and and build on that, and you know, keep that keep it going and make it better. And I think the tradition that they've set in is to produce very high quality content. Um, because the, I mean, the founder, he was a journalist himself. So he's writing for the New York times these days. Mm. And because he set it up, that basically set a very high bar for, for the quality of the, the articles that were produced. I think, I mean, obviously if you come to Kunming and you just want to find out what kind of parties are here, or you want to get on the forums and, you know, have, have questions about whatever's happening over here, that's, you can do that on the website. We'll have, I mean, obviously now there's no events happening because of the whole coronavirus uh, situation. But normally we would have like 20 to 30 events on the website on a daily basis, you know, which include exhibitions, which include parties. So that would be a sort of daily, daily need that people have, you know, know what's going on. It's kind of hard if you go to a new place, especially to get into all the right WeChat groups. So better if you can find all this online. And then generally in the article section, we have a very, very extensive uh, history archive of travel articles around Yunnan. Not just news, there's also a, a lot of interviews. But I think the travel articles really cover pretty much the whole province by now. So, you know, you go to Google, you Google anything Yunnan, you'll, you're likely to run into our website as well. And that's, you know, because... Yunnan's, I mean, Kunming is sort of the center and the capital city and sort of the starting point for most Westerners who would come here. So, you know, we started as Go Kunming, but I think it's really a resource for, for Yunnan, generally speaking. So the international, it's, it's focused on the international community, at least the website is in English. So what's the international community like in Kunming? Well, the international community is obviously not as big as, let's say, Shanghai or Beijing or some other uh, some other major cities. But we have a decent number of, of Westerners living here, uh, or generally expats. And, I mean, some of them are working in the major companies uh, like Coca-Cola or Hennessy or, uh, or, or Starbucks, but most of them will be having small businesses themselves, there's also a lot of people who like to come and study Chinese here because of the amazing environment, the travel opportunities. And obviously, like in any other city in China, there's a lot of teachers because English teaching is has great demand. Um, I mean, the community is not huge, but there's, you know, there's a fair, fair number of Western restaurants as well and bars that people go to. Uh, and I think besides, besides that, I think a lot of people are here because they love you know generally speaking so there's a decent community so if you can run the website for 14 years then definitely uh, there's enough interest to follow it so so what i would like to talk about a little bit more is is you have your role with the unwto uh, what is this like what, what does the organization do and, and what's your role exactly for that Okay, well, I was quite lucky to be able to get involved with the UNWTO. 
Uh, that sort of started in 2017 when uh, Yunnan province was uh, discussing a cooperation with the UNWTO. And what the UNWTO generally does, uh, at least in China, I mean, they do a lot of different things all around the world, uh, tourism related, a lot of events. Uh, you, can, you can check out the website, of course. Uh, they're very active also in sustainable development goals. Um, what main activities are in China is helping uh, destinations, which can be an entire province in this case, to develop uh, either a tourism master plan, to, so how can we develop tourism, generally speaking, in the, next coming, the upcoming years. Um, what I'm specifically involved in is uh, tourism uh, marketing strategies, international marketing strategies. Which goes, I mean, well beyond just doing marketing. It's really about, you know, analyzing the the current market. It's a lot about analyzing the product. It's about analyzing how the service level, what the service level is like, um, and then we sort of move into creating a strategy for the next few years on how we can better market um, the destination, but also how we can better develop, for instance, certain certain tourism products or better package it. Um, so, so my personal involvement is mostly focused on uh, product development and marketing, uh, and especially online marketing. And generally, on projects with projects like these, we'll work with several experts together uh, over you know spread out over a few months with different missions to different places because we do need to get in. In the case of Yunnan, of course, I understand this place quite well. I've been here for ten years, but we also worked on a on a project in Hainan recently, which is a tropical island of China in the the south, sort of southwest of Guangdong Province. And for that, I obviously needed to do a lot more research into the into the specific place as well uh, to to get a to get a better <clears throat> better idea of how we can work with them, what we can do for them, and what kind of product they have to offer, how it can be marketed, how it can be packaged. So that's that's how. I work with the UNWTO, and that's also how UNWTO works with uh, destinations in China. Um, and the interesting thing is that um, the uh, sort of the, one of the one of the top people in the UNWTO, he used to be the vice director of uh, China Tourism. Uh, so he he also cares a lot about you know building the the China tourism market internationally. And I think right now, you know, because domestic tourism has grown so much in the last years, uh, the international market's actually almost minuscule, you know, in most places in China. Uh, they do care about uh, developing international uh, tourism. And in some places, they, they recognize, like in Dali and Lijiang, that in a very early stage, Western backpackers sort of discovered these places as a travel destination. I mean, locals obviously uh, were living there and knew, and <laughs> knew their, own, their own hometown. But as a travel destination, you know, a lot of these places were sort of discovered in the very early days by backpackers and even by uh, very, very early explorers like Joseph Rock um, in the, nine, the early 20th century was taking you know, photos of these ethnic groups around Yunnan uh, was traveling with a big caravan. I mean, they had, they had a lot of money. Otherwise, they couldn't go on these sort of expeditions. Um, but they would be uh, collecting different plants and species 
on like research trips that lasted years and years and they spent a lot of their life here. That was the very early time. So I think they do still, they do care about the international market in some places. And I think uh, right now there's a big need for sort of rebuilding the, uh, the image internationally, uh, getting people to feel safe and comfortable. And I think once people look past their sort of first, first idea of what they have of China, there is so much to explore here. There's so much to see. I mean, not just in Yunnan. You're in Shanghai. Um, between Shanghai and Yunnan, there is so much to explore uh, that I think it can be incredibly interesting for international travelers. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time now to sort of rebuild that trust, I think, and people feeling comfortable traveling across the globe. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. The Chinese are exploring. They're very curious in general uh, about anything, and they're very willing to try. So the willingness to try something new or also by following other people's trips, um, social media, but also friends and family who have done a certain trip, not so much to copy it, but just to, to stimulate the, cur- the curiosity to actually explore. So Chinese in general, uh, yeah. China itself has, has so many things uh, to offer uh, from a tourism perspective, not just uh, for, for, for business. The places also that I've been to, like you mentioned, in Hainan, I went to Sanya, it's like amazing. It's There's so much diversity in China itself. You don't have to have a passport <laughs> to go anywhere else because you can go skiing, you can go Absolutely. mountain climbing, you can go beach, you can go... Um, just hikes, you can do anything you want um, within the country itself. So I think that's something that most people don't know enough about. The people, the friends and family that visited China during my stay here also were surprised what they saw here. They didn't expect it. It's just the image is so much different than the reality. So I understand that there, there needs to be some rebuilding. And it goes for mo- most countries because you only see what the media gives you unless you've been there yourself. So it's definitely something that uh, China will also have to, has a long way to go on to get a better understanding of the rest of the world. So does the rest of the world still has to need to get a better understanding of China itself. So I'm very, yeah, I think it's very fascinating to, to hear you talk about, about Yunnan and the things you're doing because it's actually helping not just the region, but just other people exploring th- new things, which is always a, a game changer or can be a game changer for uh, for people's lives. So that's really, I think it's very, very cool, very positive. But the one thing that really comes to mind is, I know you also uh, sometimes promoting brands or companies, but promoting a region, that's, I think, is a very different ballgame. At least that's what it seems to me, promoting a region or promoting a brand. How, how do you how do you see that? Is that? I, I feel like a lot of people consider these things to be very different. Um, like, for example, you know, when I talk to different regions, they always ask me. Let's say we propose to do their brand, their destination branding, and their destination marketing. But also, I mean, if you start with a brand, you need a logo, you need a visual identity. You need a style guide. You need to have a system. And the question that I often get, I mean, no matter how much design work we show them, if we talk about a logo specifically, 
then they're like, okay, so how many destination logos have you done? But I don't think there's any difference, to be honest, between, you know, whether you do de- a brand. I mean, obviously, they have, there's different products. The story is different. And, you know, the, the, the things that you'll be researching are different. But your target audience can be different. It, it may be the same. It's hard to say. I mean, uh, it depends what kind of product you'd be selling. But I think for, for a company brand, you'd also want to, uh, want to create something that represents a story or something that's memorable. Um, and with destinations, you're maybe a little bit more limited because you kind of have to include where it is. You know, and that's why you see so many, de- so many brands internationally that are called you know, Amazing Thailand, Beautiful China, because they're all thinking about, okay, we have the name of our place that we need to have, that we need to include. And that's, of course we need to, and then only we need some sort of adjective that is going to enhance this place. But it's, it, it doesn't really tell a story. It doesn't really mean anything. You know, any place can be, we can, we can say amazing Holland, amazing USA, uh, amazing South Africa. It doesn't really mean anything. So I think in the end, it's all about finding uh, finding an interesting brand story uh, that sort of represents either the place or the product or the, the background of the company. I don't feel there's a very big difference. Mm. It's really the storytelling, indeed, uh, how to bring the story. Now, you're doing a good job on that. Oh, I see no. you speaking on many stages. I see you're very active on social media. So I think it's very good to see uh, the, the story is being told. Uh, in this case, by you and your team, but there are many other people behind that are contributing to to show. Yeah, I don't know if it's beautiful China or whatever nice adjective we can use, but it's definitely something worth exploring. I would say. <laughs> so, so for you, if you if yeah, is there anything that I missed in this in, in in our talk? Something you really want to emphasize? Well, you did touch on that a little bit <clears throat> just now. Um, so right now we. Uh, with the Beijing company, uh, we focus a lot more on uh, doing brand strategy, uh, market entry, uh, and also uh, general design work. So visual identity design, uh, which includes logos, which includes every, everything, everything that um, you know sort of represents the company uh, in a des- in a design space, and that's that's a we, do, we also work for Chinese companies, but we really focus on doing this for international companies, uh, whether they want to enter, enter China or not. But, of course, we, we have a particular expertise uh, for China specifically. And then in Yunnan right now, we are working with the uh, Provincial Commerce Department. Um, and we're building a platform at the moment that's called Invest in Yunnan. So... This is also a little bit different from tourism, of course, because this is mostly uh, mostly showcasing what kind of business opportunities there are in the province. Uh, people who are interested in China or who want to take their business abroad, um, who want to move production or maybe you know make use of the strategic location of Yuna, we basically try to reach these people. And what I usually find in a lot of places in China is that because the internet's developed so differently here, you know, a lot of people are using apps for everything. They don't really focus on websites at all. So what happens is you go to Google, you try to find some information online about you know, whatever 
place you're interested in in China, and it's not really there. There's very little information online from reliable sources that put it all together for you. Um, and of course, I mean, on Gokuming, for instance, as a platform, we try and publish a lot of in, uh, articles with uh, with information for people to understand Yunnan, but it's it's not all this particular focus. So we won't have, let's say, policy descriptions, because that's not really an article that you're going to read, but it's going to be something you'll need if you want to do business in China or business in Yunnan. So we want to really want to focus with this platform on, you see it in many different countries, you know, like Invest in Holland, for instance, investinholland.com, very good website. Um, they offer very complete information and they offer information about or back or sort of background stories on the successful businesses that are there and why they have chosen Prince Holland or in this case here Yunnan to establish their business or maybe even their headquarters. So that platform is really going to be focused on how what can we present this place in a way that you know Western people can kind of navigate or or maybe I should say foreign foreign people from a China perspective can navigate and find all the information that they need. And then with, this is really attached to the Yunnan business as well. So that's CloudBridge. And then in Beijing, which is China Bridge Solutions, uh, we would focus a lot more on, let's say, the market entry and uh, you know helping people with the brand strategy, their logo, um, their design work. And then we can we can coordinate, let's say you want to establish a business here, we can coordinate uh, professional businesses and lawyers who can help putting it all together. So that's not something that we do in the house, but it's definitely something that we can uh, point people in the right direction for. A lot of people think that setting up businesses in China is very difficult, but actually it's become easier over the last few years. Uh, easier to the point where depending on what kind of business you're going to set up, you don't even really have to do any sort of investment anymore. So you can, with very little money, you can start a new business here. Of course, if you're going to be in uh, certain industries like production, you'll have to invest in, in, let's say, your factory or whatever it is that you need to set up your business. But for, let's say, for small startups... The, I think right now it's easier than ever before. I don't know if, if um, you get the same feeling in Shanghai, but I think Shanghai, as Kunming, also has a free trade zone. And from what, what I've heard, if you go through certain channels, you have a business set up in one or two months for you know less than ten thousand women be so less than well, let's say roughly you know maybe less than a thousand a thousand euros or dollars. Yeah, exactly. The free trade zone in Shanghai has been uh, heavily used for companies that wanted to get started in the China market. So, you know, Yunnan, uh, like you said, has also the free trade zone. I, w- I will share these these com- these details in the show notes about invest in Yunnan, uh, China Bridge Solutions, your company in Beijing for market entry, Gokuming and, and CloudBridge, uh, UNWTO. I will put them in the, the show notes so the listeners can check out what uh, if they would like to have more information or if they want to reach out to you, put your LinkedIn there if, if you're okay with that. Um, what is the last thing? What is well? Why? Because we're promoting Yunnan, and for not just for business but itself. Why should everyone pay a visit to to Yunnan province? Well, I mean, obviously we we do a lot of work promoting this place, but the reason I'm here is because when I first traveled to China, and China is a huge place, right? I mean, it's. It's as big as, as Europe, if not bigger. Um, I traveled to a lot of different places. 
I mean, Tibet was amazing as well. Um, a lot of beautiful places, but, but Yunnan really struck me as a different place. You know, there's, there's the, the, I mean, we're, we, we talk a lot about the diversity here and how it has everything. And it's really hard to put that in one single message because if you have everything, it kind of sounds like you got nothing. But it is true in a way, you know, you go to the north of the province, you're in these incredible mountains that, you know, even in, in like in like Switzerland or in the United States, there's beautiful places, but still it's sort of, it's very different. And the places like the Tagalipan Gorge, you know, I've taken a lot of people there and everybody is just it's incredibly surprised at how amazing that place is. And then south, you're in the tropics. It's it, the, the diversity of the province is well beyond any other place that I've ever been to. And the people are super nice. You know, you go everywhere you go, you have like these different cultures. And so it's very, very mixed and, and multicultural and very tolerant, generally speaking. And so every, you know, you cross a mountain, you've got like a whole new world to explore again. And these days, crossing that mountain is a lot easier than it used to be when Joseph Rock was the early explorer. Uh, so I think, you know, after all these different places that I've been to, the reason that I stopped here wasn't because of some sort of business opportunity. It was really because how how amazed I was with this place. And the, the nice weather sort of helps as well. I mean, having sort of moderate weather all year round especially coming from Holland, is a big plus. Um, but yeah, all I can say is that's the reason I came here. It wasn't business. It wasn't because somebody hired me. It wasn't a company that sent me over here. I chose to be here because I, I love this place. And then afterwards, we started our business and we, you know, we're doing our best to show this to the outside world. And hopefully, Simon, hopefully we can see you here sometime soon as well. Yeah. That would be cool. I'm I'm definitely excited. Uh, honestly, say I've never been to that area yet uh, for some reason. I went to the Lijiang River, but that was in Guilin, so not in that part. Uh, it's oftenly oftenly confused the Lijiang and the other and the river. Um, but that definitely something that I, I need to go. I need to see uh, uh, for sure. It's, uh, it's it's now on my to to go list. So thanks a lot for <laughs> for getting that on my list. A little higher yeah, priority. When you do come over, let me know. I'll give you a bunch of uh, recommendations for places to go to. And also, there's a whole bunch of UNESCO World Heritage sites that you need really need to go to. So let me know when you come. Cool. I'll cool. show you around. Thanks a lot, Jaja. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks for joining the China Business Cast. Uh, I think everyone got a lot of it out of it. And definitely, if they want to do something in that province, reach out to Jeff Janssen and he will, uh, he will hook you up. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Simon, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Doing business in China is a complex world. You can quickly feel alone and lost in its maze. But don't worry, China Business Cast is here for you. Sign up for our newsletter and regular updates on our website at www.chinabusinesscast.com. Thanks for tuning in.